2020. Whoa! Who are you? Connor. Oh, cool. I'm Matt. And Hi, welcome Matt. Back. And hello. And, <laughs> and welcome, welcome back, back to Are, are Your you Parents Proud of you? you? The second season. Season two, Electric Boogaloo. So excited to be back. <laughs> yes, and we're kicking off our first episode of season two with yes. a wonderful guest. Yes. Will Petway. Yes. A Columbia student. Yes. And honestly, how would you describe them? They're an artist, performer, comedian, stand-up, activist, teacher. I would describe them, describe them as all those things you just said. Oh, perfect. Great. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so we talk with them about their career growing up, mm-hmm. how they got involved with pretty much everything that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, listen away. Here we go. Hi, Will. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing good. Good. Well, listeners, we are here with Will Petway, who is an artist and an activist, dare I say. And so I was lucky to meet Will I, at a party, I think was funny enough, our first interaction. Yes. So that was the first time we met. I went to that met. party alone. Yeah. <laughs> I love a little friend. But look, you made a friend. Yeah. And um, we hang out each other with each other on the third floor a lot at Columbia College. And I got to act in one of your short plays. And to keep it ambiguous, we'll say it's about bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. Wow. Oh, my God. Yes. No, a and B. Yes. I, wrote it. <laughs> I was like, I didn't direct anything about bananas. I wrote it. You wrote it. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't invited to the party. Sorry. That's alright. Maybe an extended version. Like, like the act two? Yeah. It's going to be a four-act play. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> four-act play. Uh, See you at the Goodman and Steppenwolf later. Oh, well, yeah. 2021. Yeah, <laughs> 2021 goals. <laughs> at least finish one of these plays I'm writing. <laughs> I'll be the second banana. Um, <laughs> ah, that's a, that's a, that's that's a throwback. A, that's a throwback to our one of our episodes. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, uh, I met Will. You are our ASM, Assistant Stage Manager for Wait Until Dark, when I was Police Officer 1. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and, yeah. Do you love how in-depth you went with that cop? Dude, my name was Jefferson Steel Fletch the Second. I didn't know about the second. <laughs> I just, like, came up with it right now. <laughs> but, like, the director of it was very much like, we're going to give you some backstory, even though... I had, there was nothing for that character at all. He showed up and he said, okay, lady, let's get out of here. And best of all, I did it in the dark. <laughs> you just saw a flashlight and some woman just yelling, where is she? And then that was the entire scene. It was some of the best flashlight acting I've ever seen. Well, thanks. <laughs> we did a flashlight call, so. <laughs> so in regards to the name of the podcast, let's start to the very beginning with little baby Will. So Will, where did you grow up? Okay, uh, I grew up in Southside Chicago. Jeffrey Manor, born in Trinity Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> you remember? Social security number is... <laughs> <laughs> Mother's maiden name, yeah. I grew up in Southside Chicago, spent most of my childhood there, and then, like, Jeffrey Manor, and then Washington Heights. Um, and I've been bouncing around the city since then. Nice. Yes. And what's your relationship like with your family? Is it close? Uh, I'm not the closest with my family. I do have 10 siblings, so there's a ton of us. <laughs> Where do you rank wow. among the 10? Uh, okay, so like personally, I'll rank myself like number one. <laughs> <laughs> but in the order of things, <laughs> I am the second oldest. Okay. Wow. So very much on the old side, there's some support and like it's helping like folks get fed and like uh, cleaning the house, all that. Well, that's those are chores. Everyone should have chores, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm not particularly close, but I like my family. <laughs> Do they support you in any way? Do they come see some of your shows? Are you still in contact with them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, still in contact. I'm not, I am going to hang out at my family's house after, after that meeting I have later. <laughs> <laughs> meeting? Ooh. That's a good man. But, um, Name drop? Huh. <laughs> meeting them later. Um, my parents... It would be unreasonable to expect them to come to, like, everything that I do mm-hmm. at this sure. point. Yeah. Yeah. I had, like, five different things this week. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, also kind of what don't you do? Because you devise, you act, you direct. You write. You write. I draw blood. That is a real thing. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. It took us a couple seconds. Like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, but yes. You just, they just confessed to something. <laughs> yeah, heard it here, folks. Whoa. Yeah. No, but yes. Yeah. Yes, you can explain more about that. <laughs> so, hmm. Sophomore year, I started working at an organization called the Illinois Caucus for Adolescent Health, and they're a reproductive justice organization. At ICA, the abbreviated version of that, I am an organizer, an educator, and a theater artist, because they have all three of those wonderful things. Hmm. And from working there a couple of years, they connected me to people at UChicago, um, at the Center of H- Chicago Center of HIV Elimination, and they've been training me to do research, to uh, do some case management. I'm getting medical health, medical mental health, first aid training. And they trained me to like draw blood, so it made me super versatile. That's really cool. <laughs> Do you have that on your resume? See, Special that's why skills. I like hesitated a little bit when oh, you asked really? me for a resume. You're like, oh, because I was like, oh, I don't have like a com- a perfect complete resume. <laughs> So, the second professional one can draw blood if needs be. Special skills. If this is some strong method acting, <laughs> I think about Doctor Young. Can't wait. Doctor Kim. Yeah, yeah, the comedian. Oh yeah. Oh. I love him. Yeah, uh, he's a doctor. He's a real doctor. Oh oh. Doctor Kim. He's on Community. He's he's on The Masked Singer as one of the judges. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. He Hangover. Pra- yeah. He had his own show about being a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Doctor Ken. Yes. He hasn't practiced in like a decade, but well, that's okay. He still hasn't. He's a comedian that can draw blood, probably. For sure. I'm, I'm sure he a does comedian. More. Yeah. Yeah. Probably draws his own blood now. Yeah. And just go, Ugh, yeah. Ugh, take one. My my boss definitely <laughs> drew, drew his own blood in front of me wow. before. Oh. That's crazy. And you knew right then from there, sign me up. <laughs> but yeah, what kind of led you into the medicine field? <clears throat> <laughs> Something got stuck in my throat. <laughs> um, so, don't laugh at me. <laughs> um, so, it goes along with theater and activism, because I would say activism is what got me to stay in theater. Because mm-hmm. I started doing theater just because I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. But in high school, I was like, I was president of the Queer Student Alliance and also president of Improv Club. Mm-hmm. And in the summer, the summer, right, wait, it was junior year summer, I found a theater company that kind of combined both of them. And through research and stuff, we devised our own shows about issues and stuff. And that's the type of theater I really love, and that led me to ICA, which does have the arts and activism component to it. And I feel like it was just a logical <laughs> next step. Uh, in my future with CCHE, I really hope to start creating arts programming. And I'm already getting little bits of that with uh, events I can organize there. Uh, but in the future, I want to have like a youth ensemble and like help, because it's a place on the south side and there's not many theaters on the south side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are specifically amplifying voices. Yeah, and I'm curious, when you were growing up, uh, when did this theater or love of art came to be, you think? Uh, I remember being really tiny and wanting to, <laughs> 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 wanting to be like a painter. Ooh. It actually started with like visual arts. Really? Which I do not do. <laughs> I do you not know what started skill. this? Did you take an art class? or? Uh, I would, I was a nerd. <laughs> so, like, I would finish all my assignments so early. <laughs> and I didn't have a smartphone in third grade. What? <laughs> so, like, I guess I would just draw and, like, was having a lot of fun with that. Um, that kind of transitioned into, like, me spending most of my life before college thinking I wanted to be an architect. Mm-hmm. Uh, math got in the way. And Damn math. numbers. Always. Yeah, yeah. numbers. I'm pretty good at, like, geometry, but after that... (laughs) When they ask you to find the alphabet. (laughs) Right, that's not for me. What was the question? (laughs) What what made you get into visual arts? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's how I got into visual arts. Um, But other than that, I've just been... I auditioned for, like, Into the Woods was my first show ever. It was in high school. Mm-hmm. I was an ensemble member. Oh. But I have no idea why I auditioned. It was such a hunch. And huh. I was so unprepared. <laughs> and it... Huh. I've had a couple of bad auditions this year. I was like, wow, that was the worst audition of my life. 
but I first saw this shit. <laughs> that was terrible. It's like, wait, what's a monologue? What's a musical? <laughs> you want me to sing? Out of the How wind? Many bars? It's like, take my word for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm really grateful that the teachers like saw something in me because they let me be an ensemble member. Mm-hmm. Even though sometimes I like just straight up didn't come out. <laughs> it was like, hmm. Even during performances, it's like if I didn't feel like it, I would just be backstage. I could be in the wing, just watching the scene I'm supposed to be in. <laughs> wow, I should be on that stage wow. right now. No one, no one called me out of this. No one approached me. No one told me. Bless. Wow. Oh, that's adorable though. But now I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> now you're here, and now you can go front and center with even stand up and comedy. So what got you into comedy? Ooh. Uh, okay, so I was president of Improv Club in high school. Yeah. yeah. Which is super fun. Um, and, <laughs> and I am sometimes asked to speak on panels or talk or like MC or host some things. Mm-hmm. What was my first time doing comedy? It was an open mic at some conference. And I was like, well, why not? Mm-hmm. And I show up and I bomb the first half of it. Mm-hmm. And it was terrible, but it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I feel like bombing is very underappreciated. <laughs> I learned so much from it. And uh, it was like a five-minute thing, so I had two jokes because I am long-winded with stories. And the second story is like my favorite story to tell. That goes really well. And it's in most of my stand-up sets that I need to diversify. <laughs> <laughs> this one is the one, like the one comfort story. Mm-hmm. Oh, did, did you have a question? Oh, no, I did not. For people listening, it looks like they are about to fist fight. <laughs> <laughs> For our listeners, Connor just punched me in the face. It was great, taking out my anger. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so what brought you to Columbia? Um, so I work with Free Street Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I consider that my theater home. Mm-hmm. They're full of lovely people that I love to work with, so I wanted to stay in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that narrows it down to like DePaul and Columbia when I'm applying for schools. And honestly, DePaul was my first choice. I think I feel better about being at Columbia now than I did in the past because I think uh, like name recognition in schools is mm-hmm. overrated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it doesn't mean much, and what matters more is like the practice practice you get. And the people you meet along the way, and also the Paul's theater department <laughs> doesn't allow directing students to like work with their actors, mm-hmm. which is oh. wild. Really? But when you when you came to Columbia, did you start out as a specific major? Did you want to act? Did you direct? Um, I came in as an acting major. Then it became super apparent to me right away that there weren't many shows for me at Columbia, mm-hmm. so I switched over to the directing program to make space that I wanted to see there. And and through my first two and a half years as a directing major, uh, I did a couple of shows. I created an organization. Um, I I just got done yesterday organizing the third ever Black Arts Festival oh, at wow. Columbia. Um, but after a while, I just did not want to. I didn't feel that the directing department at Columbia was for me anymore. Mm-hmm. So I switched down to general because I still had acting credits from like freshman year. Yeah. And general is probably makes a lot more sense for me because <laughs> I'm doing all the things. You're doing like everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I finished, like I finished the general majors and now I'm just like combating and <laughs> acting my way out. <laughs> As you do, you know. Did you have any favorite directed projects at Columbia? Yeah. Ooh, don't tell them. <laughs> Thinking about my cast, like all the cast I've had at Columbia. <laughs> uh, my personal favorite would be Marcus the Secret of Sweet. Mm-hmm. It was my last directing project. It was my D3, Hour Long, uh, by Torah Alvin McCraney. Uh, while reading that play, I was really, it was the first time I was reading a piece of theater that I felt was meant for me. Mm. Uh, memories. Uh, I, <laughs> I spent, oh, like, I was focusing, like, Moonlight, watching Moonlight was, like, my first uh, step in research process. I spent, like, the whole summer before uh, I had to run around, chase people down, like, hey, audition for this, be in this. And 
I ended up casting everyone who was available to do the show. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I love theater. That's aware that it's theater. And I care about the actors having fun and, like, feeling confident. Because I feel like once you get that done, the audience is going to enjoy what you put on stage. Mm-hmm. Did your parents come to this show? My parents did come to this show. Were you there when my parents came? I think so. Is this when um, your mom was in the bathroom? Yeah, my mom My mom <laughs> left to the bathroom and I had to stall for her. And I spent, like, five... five it's like five to ten minutes. Yeah, five to ten minutes. Doing mostly silent comedy. <laughs> Just like counting down. My mom comes back. I think the audience cheered when your mom came back too. We were like, woohoo! <laughs> that was exciting. Yeah. Did you start a chant during that? Remind me. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a while where I guess hmm, I haven't really done an extended process at Columbia mm-hmm. where I could do this, but most of my shows where it's only people of color, only black people, uh, which aren't the same thing, but especially when there's only black people, I make the audience chant Black Hitting Matter mm-hmm. over and over again. My favorite hoodie has it, <laughs> has it on it. And I feel like there's something really magical about chants. Mm-hmm. I think theater is magical because it's a bunch of people in the same room with the same focus thinking together mm-hmm. so to make them all say the same thing was really it was selfish because I, I wanted to hear it <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like it helped everyone who was involved well yeah it's cathartic as well for sure mm-hmm. and yeah as you sort of mentioned you're heavily working with Free Street Theater so can you talk a little bit about how you got involved mm-hmm. yes uh, Free Street Theater Chicago's oldest inspirational theater company they're the first first racially integrated theater in the city and do thus theater that specifically uh, takes people from all around the city and like amplifies their voice. I found it just looking for a summer job. <laughs> it was an after school matters program. <laughs> and as well, in that first ensemble I was in, I was the only person who had to audition. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. And I like showed up. I'm so, I'm chronically early at most cases. Mm-hmm. But this was my first time going through this building, and I was, like, three minutes late. Oh, no. <laughs> I ran in, threw everything down. We were, like, playing games, doing some light dividing exercises. Like, I hope I got it. I didn't see anyone else from the audition thing. It's not a strict audition. If you want to be a part of it, it'll find a way to help you be a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, yeah. I still think about that sometimes, how I was the only person now on someone who actually auditioned. Because other people I read were there before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are just like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> and how's it like working with them? How long have you been working with them now, you think? I feel like I the number bounces a lot. I, I think 2015 was my first year. I think 2015 was my first year. I love working with them. It's always such a great energy in the room. It just feels like love. Mm-hmm. On Monday, they had a premiere of the 50 years of Free Street documentary where they explain like the journey and how we got here because um, last year was the 50th year that this company existed mm-hmm. and we decided to do a show that's 50 performances in all 50 wars of the city it was really exciting how is it like coordinating all that melissa dupre is an amazing person <laughs> amazing brain who was instrumental in making all of it happen uh, I am so happy that I didn't have to coordinate all 50. <laughs> I had my cast in our locations. Uh, but it was monumental like to see it all come together because there were hundreds of artists all working on this production. All starting with like a Quinn Lene Barrett uh, idea of like, hey, let's do, let's perform in all 50 awards. What she didn't know is that we were going to do it all in one day. <laughs> Jeez. The largest theatrical flash mob in yeah. history. That's crazy, but also wonderful. That's awesome. To show art to everyone and everywhere in Chicago. Yeah. What was that process like? Did you like, was the performing aspect of it really challenging, you think? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was a director on it. Okay. I was a director on it. Okay. So. Um, what was it like directing it? Yeah. <laughs> wait, yes. Which one did you direct? I was. Almost going to act in it as well. Oh, really? Uh, but it was more valuable to have someone on the outside. Yeah. 
someone grabbed a car. I wasn't driving, but I felt like it was worth mentioning. <laughs> um, it was fun. Um, we the first rehearsal, we just had the cast all together, and we like improvised for like an hour, and then like like oh these moments worked really well, and then like the next meeting we like expanded on those specific moments, and then we cut paste. You know, devising processes are all different. And we eventually came to this piece about uh, Black Joy and a family cookout. Um, and everyone, like, has a secret, it's a mystery. There's, like, inter intertangled plots. Mm -hmm. And it all comes down to a nice monologue about, hey, we're all here. <laughs> Black queer folks are in our family, too. And there's, like, it's a story of acceptance. And then we just dance together with the audience, mm. too, and buy folks up. That's oh, fun. And was this all devised? <laughs> you have a lot of also devising credits. How did you get into the whole world of devising and collaborating? Was it with Free Street Theater? Mm -hmm. Yes, with Free Street, definitely informed by Improv Club in high school. Um, I just, I love working with new works or creating works from scratch because it's kind of hard to find because we're all have so many, we're all multifaceted as people. And it's just hard to find work that speaks specifically to us. So why not make it? Mm -hmm. That's my Yeah. Uh, so, so recently you got to assistant direct uh, Thirst. Yeah. Sorry. Don't, don't look at me. <laughs> right now, Will was uh, kind of nomming on the microphone. <laughs> Sorry. This is why we should have a camera now. <laughs> we record some of these episodes. Pod cam. Oh, gosh. Sorry. All right. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay, anyway. Uh, so you got to direct, uh, assistant direct, sorry, uh, Thirst at Straw Dog. Um, how did that come to be, and what was that process like? Oh, it really came to be because Andy Diamond, the director, walked by on campus and was like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, <laughs> or Yeah. And I was like, I can do a show. <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing? Uh, yeah, I can do your show. <laughs> Which uh, time you got? Got <laughs> some time. Uh, tell some. Tell our listeners a little bit about the show. What's that show about, and your, your process involved in that? Mm -hmm. I think in short, I say thirst is about family lost in water justice, hmm. because the show follows this small family, this small family, hmm, this small broken family, hmm. where there's a woman. Her, her apocalypse wife, <laughs> not not by name, but there are no gov there's no government. <laughs> legally married, and this child who lost his mother uh, during the apocalypse, and they're living in a house. I feel like I'm not doing it justice so far, but I'm gonna keep trying. <laughs> um, and the main woman ex-husband is this revolutionary dude that stole water back and has control of like the water systems and can share <laughs> water with people like he is a hero in mm -hmm. this small vague southern town in this fictional Afrofuturist piece so that is the setup of it and the story is everyone coming to terms with that and like having those tough conversations about loss and like moving on Wow. That's awesome. That sounds really deep and dark, but I think nice. there's a lot of joy in it as well. Yeah. I really do. As someone who's that idea of coming yeah. to peace. Yeah. But coming to peace, yeah, it's heavy, it's messy. Yeah. I love pe I feel like the sweet spot in theaters when it uh gestures do not translate well on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> we can feel it. That's that's okay. <laughs> I wanna know why. There's a yeah. reason, you know. Yeah, for like the heightened joy, there's also loss, mm -hmm. and like balancing both is like life. I'm yeah. I'm very curious because these shows that you've acted and directed, um, what sort of drives you? What are the things that you look for in a show? It doesn't even have to be a theater, but just a general show in general. I notice I've done a lot of shows about water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's insane. But are you thirsty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's wild. Um, I'm fortunate to know a lot of really talented, creative people that I want to work with. Mm -hmm. 
And hmm, it just feels like the right show always pops up. Mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for that. Um, any show that wants to tell real stories and any, yeah, I just real stories. Anything I relate to. Do you write? Do you, do you want to write your own show? Yes, yes. I have so many drafts. Bananas. Uh, <laughs> that banana, it's funny, that banana line really came because I was like in a rut and I texted someone. Was it me? I'm not sure. I need to check receipts. But I texted someone. I was like, uh, give me something, give me like a random fact or something. And that's where it's like the humans and bananas share all this DNA in common. <laughs> Became an integral part of the play. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I love writing an Afrofuturism. Okay. It's really futuristically playing with DNA, bananas. There's clones. Uh, I have a play about the internet being <laughs> shut down, like organizers. Ooh. Shutting down the internet because Facebook is now requiring like blood samples. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. What? I love that piece. <laughs> oh, I'd read that. I'd see that. I'll see that front row. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I see it. I feel like it's coming. I'm excited know? for post grad life. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, you are going to graduate in a couple months. <laughs> you are going to graduate. Yeah. <laughs> That's not my question. I'm sorry, that was not my question. I, I need to take a science club test. <laughs> Get out of that. Uh, so. What, so as you're about to graduate at the time of this recording, which is about a few months from now, <laughs> doing that, um, what have you taken away from Columbia, for better or for worse, you think? I took away a lot of connections. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of practice. There are a few teachers I trust and will take advice from. Nothing else. I have a lot of different perspectives from all the teachers that I've had. Even if I don't agree upon on most things, they still like know something about their craft. Mm-hmm. Just I don't feel like the classes are set up in a way that, when talking professionally, really applies t- to me. Because mm-hmm. it feels like the career that they're aiming for is a little different. So, content craft wise. I have learned some valuable things, things to consider. Every actor knows, like, you're not going to love every single class, but it's, like, it's built to give you a toolkit to use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really valuing the network that I've been able to build at Columbia. Do you think you've changed both? Do you think you've changed from when you started to when you are about to leave now? Uh, physically, I just, <laughs> I got bigger. Fun. No yeah. more tiny. <laughs> I got, yeah. I've been, like, exercising a lot, like, all last year and stuff. So, like, I'm swole now. Yeah. For the people listening, I'm you in a should... full suit of honor. Um, <laughs> I'm in a full <laughs> suit of armor. Yeah. And my muscles are still, like, popping out Yeah, viewers, it. I wish you could see that. Viewers. Listeners. <laughs> listeners, I wish you could see this. Viewers, I wish you could be I a viewer. I wish you could see this right now. <laughs> viewers, Our I wish viewers. you could view. Oh, we forgot to turn the camera on. Oh, dang it. <laughs> Darn it. And we're camera. No, thanks, Griffin. Hmm. Camera operator. Uh, I love the question of, like, did I change? Because I've been so introspective lately and, like, thinking about just all of my life. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I remember being, like, four, five, all of those childhood ages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I was talking to a sibling about, like, not getting in trouble and stuff. And there's, like because I was in there and like getting good grades and all that stuff, there's this idea of like me being a goody two-shoes and like always following the rules to a key. I really don't. Like I really, I said this when I was a child too, I really just do what I want <laughs> all the time. And I'm happy that my heart's in the right place because it's so hard to get me to do things I don't want to do. <laughs> uh, do you siblings do theater or art as well? Um, I have a little sister who's nine, who sings and is doing theater now. Oh, That's the first, uh, <laughs> the first or the second person of like my siblings to be artsy, and that's me. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is well. Everyone else, they're high school children. Oh, <laughs> they're not 
You mean they don't have their jobs out yeah, or figuring out? They're not they paying their taxes. Their degrees, right? I mean, my one-year-old little brother, Juju, um, does taxes. Oh. Oh, really? Good for them. <laughs> but, uh, she sings. I'm excited. Maybe when she's older, we can like collab. Yeah. 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 That'd be lovely. I love that. Uh, we have a, like I have these three little sisters that I think would be a great like pop band <laughs> or something like that. So I want to be their manager. So I'm like learning. Please, please, I would see there. Can you write their music as well? I can try. Music is so hard. <laughs> I forgot you directed me in like a one act musical. I did. I love that musical. Shut up, the punks. Yeah. It was like what a rock opera. You know, I don't know what category fits in. I, I don't know what either. I was trying to remember. <laughs> My favorite moment in the show is just the Coke can. God, that Coke can. I get I get a Coke can thrown at me, and the day of the show, it was supposed to like hit my chest and fall out. But of course, my reflexes was it hit my chest and I caught it. And I looked around, <laughs> and I looked at the actor, and I'm like, ah, oh, crap. So I just threw it at them instead. Oh, we didn't fight call that. But. Yeah. That's when you go... Um, miss. Oh. <laughs> you had to have been there, but um, and it was another new work. I love working. I really want to do more musical stuff. I really mm-hmm. do. Um, I don't know how to write music, so we need people who know how to do Collab- that stuff. See, there you go. You can maybe collaborate with your sister. Maybe <laughs> they'll learn to write music, and and then you have a pop band. Here, I'm just gonna like drop hints. Like, <laughs> here's a composer Bible. I don't know what composers learn from. <laughs> <laughs> Composing for dummies. Uh, yeah, I love any of those meetings that's like in developing new work. Just like a playwright that has, to, I feel like I'm really good at ideas. The execution is where I need a lot of help. Mm-hmm. Like most collaborations. Yeah, <laughs> collaborations. That's why you know you, that's why you we collab- collaborate with. Like, see what we just did there? We just, we collaborated, just collaborated our, our lines. lines. Oh, where are we at right now? I think one of my favorite things I've seen you in is that uh, Totino's commercial. Where oh. you're like, Game <laughs> Wait, really? You were in? Yeah, yeah my resume. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny, because I got signed to an agency like a week before that. Oh, that was your first thing? Yeah. Well, it's. I also found it, got it myself. Oh. So the agency was like a side of separate thing, but it felt like, oh... This is happening so fast. Game <laughs> <laughs> uh, on. Yeah. Also, yeah. There were like rumors on set that someone's gonna like have a line and like lose a tooth. And then did it happen? It, it, was, it was Will. It, it was you. It was me. It, yes. Oh, missing tooth. I lost a whole tooth on TV. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun, and like I was watching Hulu one day. And my commercial came on, and like I melted. It's like such a great feeling. That's like the first time I heard like a performer like see themselves on TV and like melt. Because most of the time you hear actors or performers are like, "Oh, I never watch myself," or they cringe when they see themselves. So this is very new <laughs> when I see, when I hear someone go, "I melted when I see myself." Uh, <laughs> I'm a heartthrob. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, muscles. <laughs> Ooh, um, smooth. It's fun. Well, I talk for like a second. <laughs> can, can you Still. say your line? It's funny when I was given the line, um, the the AD came up to me. He's like, "Hey, okay, can you just like look this way and say game on, and like go for the first take and like game on." He's like, "Yo, chill, <laughs> calm down, <laughs> be cool." <laughs> so, how did you deliver it? Let's get the Hulu account. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if that commercial is still showing, they owe me more money. You know, no, every, I think it's on YouTube or something. But. It is. Every Super Bowl uh, season, I'm like, are you going to pick up my commercial? Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a full cinematic Game thing. On? Yeah. Yeah, the extended version of it. Um, so, like, they asked me to, like, fall down, hit my teeth, look, hit my tooth, come up. Ow, what's this? It's gone. Game on. Oh! <laughs> oh! We have a star. We have oh! a star on our I want to play some football now! <laughs> inspired! Oh! Go, <laughs> Bears! All right. Okay. I was in bed that night. Game on. 
Is this, how you, is this how you, t- you make yourself go to sleep? Just keep saying, <laughs> This is how you motivate yourself every day, like your daily motivations. Look in the mirror. Game on. <laughs> <laughs> like, you gotta make a t-shirt for that, too. I mean, if Totino's wants to you hear sponsor that? me. You hear that, Tostitos? Get on that. Sponsor. Or should I say, game on. Get those pizza rolls. And get the shirt ready. I also made sure to like buy a lot of pizza rolls like after that commercial, just so that like if they're looking at numbers, they're like, huh, someone's wait. They didn't, people they actually didn't buy do... any for you. They had a bunch of meat ones, uh, and I'm a vegetarian. Oh, uh, <laughs> this wasn't in my contract. Wait, I requested my... at least one cheese. I did another um, commercial with the same group of people, oh. the same production company, and they had like a burrito that I was supposed to eat at a skateboard. That's like I was just a skateboarding extra in the background. Yeah. <laughs> and like, hey, just roll by eating this burrito. And it had me in it. So I'm like, no. <laughs> so I like nom nom nom. And it's like so clear that it's not in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you just give it to someone and say, please bite this. Thank you. That's what happened. <laughs> oh <laughs> nom nom nom. <laughs> so it's all implication. If you saw it, you might think that I just took a bite out of it. <laughs> Someone else. Well, the commitment to take a bite of the burrito looks so real. They go to my teeth shape. Go on the IMDb trivia page. <laughs> After Will Petway did not actually eat the burrito. <laughs> uh, I want to circle back to you. Uh, do you uh, is it true you teach? I do teach. What do you teach? I teach sex ed. Oh. Super fun. Um, and it's with ICA. That's why I'm an educator. And it's a super affirming, consent-based, and inclusive of all bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know intersex folks are usually left out of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite story is, I've said about a couple stories. <laughs> my favorite story from teaching is working with fourth graders and doing an anatomy workshop where we have stations. There's like an internal one, external one, and there's a social mm-hmm. aspect one, which talks about sexism and like, all of them include intersex people, which most sex ed curriculums do not. Yeah. And while explaining to fourth graders that intersex folks get unwarranted sur- surgeries that they don't consent to, have no agency over, like their bodies are fine, they're safe, healthy, and whenever a fourth grader hears it, they're like, that's bad. And I'm like, yeah. Like, wow, old people really thought that this would be more complicated than that. <laughs> the yeah. older generations it's like no young I really believe in like young people and I'm excited for the future because <laughs> the people younger than us are so smart and they have so good ideas they're so thoughtful uh, I overheard someone uh, like what is it gossiping about someone and their whole complaint is like where's their empathy that's the closest thing to bullying <laughs> <laughs> Like, besides, like, the, all the bullying that happens, it yeah. feels like it's going down, but they're, like, actually ca- attacking people's character. Hmm. <laughs> they just want people to, like, care and respect each other. Yeah. What? You know, just loving each other. Treat yourself. Treat people like you want to treat yourself. Yeah. And, yeah, it's crazy. No, but, yeah, it's, it is also insane. Like, young kids specifically, like, they're so... They're actually so open-minded and so mm-hmm. willing to know and learn everything. It's just, yeah, as you get older, based on what you were taught or hammered down that's when your brain gets more closed-minded mm-hmm. so yeah well i i want to say thank you for thank teaching you. <laughs> the young chitlins it's super fun i also like i can teach anywhere from fourth grade to 12th graders and it's super fun teaching 12th graders because i look like a 12th grader <laughs> you could do like this whole bit where you're sitting in like the homeroom or whatever with the kids in the back and of the then room. you're just like who's this new person I, I heard and you go it is I your teacher yeah. and it's wild because it, sometimes there's like a little bit of tension like <laughs> I'm taller than you yeah <laughs> um, that's that. what you say it's not about the size it's, it's about what oh! you do with it that matters <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did we break you? <laughs> I can't believe I've been broken. No, um, 12th graders, no, just in that thought, it's just like uh, people listen to people that look like them mm-hmm. more so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like in every case, 
or in most cases, it's not gonna, it's really hard to convince someone who's like, cause I'm thinking even politically, like if two people have diametrically opposed views, having them talk to each other might not have anyone change. But I really like going through potential allies, like people more so in the middle that are like friends with the people who have the extreme beliefs. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that's where education goes in. And like, especially like giving people information early while their mind is still open, like you mentioned, um, because those people who the diametrically opposed views like already like trust and agree with, mm -hmm. they probably know where they're coming from. I feel like that's where the sweet spot of conversations are happening. So I'm not focusing on anyone like uh, <laughs> opposite opposite of me. And I feel like that goes along with the point of like people listening to people that look like them, sound like them. Most sex ed is like old people being like, don't have sex, here's SDIs. Yeah. Um, the sex ed that I teach is like, okay, uh, here are some things that you shouldn't be aware about. A lot of folks are sexually active. We don't care what, well, we don't care what you do. You do whatever you want. Just here's all the information that might be relevant for you. Mm -hmm. And here I'll start conversations that might be tough. Oh. Let's do some theater games. <laughs> That's fun. And do you so do you just teach it exclusively at the establishment or can people take you to schools or areas? Um, it's mostly bookings based. Mm. So, so anywhere in Illinois. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I stick around Chicago. <laughs> but there are workshops that can be oh, and also Indiana sometimes. Oh. Oh. because um, Illinois is kind of like a safe haven for a lot of reproductive rights. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which needs to be footnoted and someone else at the organization that knows more about that can talk about how Illinois has more lenient laws. <laughs> in our second podcast. <laughs> I mean, I know people. I will come in and talk to you. I hope their parents are proud. <laughs> so you were recently featured in a Columbia article um, titled pulling back the curtain on race and diversity in curriculum and the theater department. Um, who, what, what made you want to talk about this, do you think? Mm -hmm. um, so last spring, in Columbia had a main stage that was casted and directed and racially inappropriately. And from that, the organization I founded at Columbia, I hosted a talk where we invited the actors of that piece mm -hmm. to like process as a community and like the idea is that uh, if everyone in the department come together and like have this conversation, we can prevent things like that happening again in the future. And eventually um, the chronicle was like, hey, what's up? Let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. And interviewed, interviewed me a little bit on it. Mm -hmm. I lost my question. Oh, uh, well, I can ask a question. Can, go for it. Um, can you actually talk a little bit about how you formed your group at Columbia, why it came to be, and then also now you're about to graduate? So, kind of, what's the next steps? Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, I'm no longer a part of that organization. Oh, it's one of those situations where I founded it, um, worked with it for a year, um, and I was not the best person to be in that position. Mm -hmm. Um, and the group, I think my main priority was in just making sure that there's a space that exists and I'm successful with that. Um, I spend less time at Columbia than <laughs> the other people in that organization yeah. because I'm tied everywhere else. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that the people committed to it should be there. But I founded it my junior year after, right after Marcus, a lot of people involved with it were were also in Marcus and because it didn't <laughs> uh, Marcus did really well at Columbia mm -hmm. full house every night we had a standing room uh, people were interested and excited about the stories that have not been seen at Columbia mm -hmm. in forever so we wanted to continue doing that and continue amplifying those voices mm -hmm. the main goal of the organization was to be a safe haven in the theater department where we <laughs> like assuming that everyone's black, which is that's the only prerequisite <laughs> to being <laughs> being in the group. Um, so that's where the group came from. Mm -hmm. 
And you also founded, like you said, the Black Arts Festival. So the Black Arts Festival was founded my freshman year by two students at Columbia who are amazing and event organizers that worked with the Black World Studies minor. And they kicked it off and it was amazing. The first year they had it in three buildings. They had like film, they had live performances and they had dance and theater grouped together. My involvement in the first Black Arts Festival was submitting a show called People of Color Columbia that was a device piece to just a couple of black students in the theater department. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was fitting. It was a theatrical fit. <laughs> um, the second year, I had an entire day. I was a co-organizer for the Black Arts Festival, and I had an entire day blocked out for just theater performances. Mm-hmm. And I set up three different performances that one was a variety show, one was a essay thir- turned theatrical. Um, what was the last one? The last one was probably a, a second variation of a variety show. This time I, I cough. This time I, this year I was an organizer uh, without any theater <laughs> performances, just taking a full step back, not planning on being here, hosting and like inviting people in. Um, me and Kira King did that. It was really exciting. We brought a lot of people in, and I feel like the festival has been growing super steadily year by year. We're a baby now, but I'm ready to come back to 2050 to the Black Arts Festival. <laughs> Where it has grown. Yes. Yes, into a middle-aged <laughs> festival. <laughs> well, well, I, well, I, <laughs> well, I think it's about time to start wrapping up. So do you have anything you want to pitch, say what's coming up in the future? Hmm. I think the best thing to pitch right now is my Instagram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is this? At? Yeah. My Instagram is at will.is.petty. My favorite thing about that handle, as in my least favorite thing about that handle, <laughs> is that a lot of people think my last name is Petty. <laughs> <laughs> Guess I'll give them that. I did this myself. It's but, funny, though. Yeah. yeah. I think it's funny. And so do you actually have any advice for maybe activists, performers, divisors, similar people to you? (laughs) I think my most general advice is, not general, but the advice I really love is to do what you want. Mm -hmm. Find the spaces you want to be in. Um, If you have that passion, and I'm confident other people have it as well. Other people are thinking the same things as you, and it's just a matter of finding the people that want to do the work that you want to do. And it might not be super flashy. It might not have the most funny behind it now, but I truly believe that doing the work that comes straight from our heart will become worthwhile in some way. Wonderful. That's so beautiful. I love that. Well, we do have some time for a game, if you're up for it. Yes. This is time for two, but this is the new and approved time for two. We have brand new questions. Uh, It's two minutes on the clock. All best icebreaker questions in the world. Um, The variety is endless. We can tell you that right now. Bet. (laughs) Okay. Wager. Yeah, I'll start. Three, two, one, go. How do you like your eggs? Uh, Scrabble. Super salad. Soup. Do you collect anything? Uh, I collect leaves when I go to Oakland. Does Miss Piggy love Kermit? No comment. Well, what was in your high school locker? Uh, my skateboard. Some art. Oh, I had a trophy that I won once and then I broke it the one day I tried to take it home. Oh, no. Oh, no. It was first place cross country. Can you tell me how to get, how to, get to Sesame Street? Uh, you take a left. Thanks. Are, uh, do you hit the treadmill or hit the couch? Uh, I run on the street. Favorite celebrity, Chris? Chris. No comment. <laughs> uh, favorite kind of soup? Uh, um, I like tomato. Got milk? No, I mean. What shape is on the moon? Orange. <laughs> Jack or Jill? Jam. What's your favorite smell? Hmm, uh, I like coffee. <laughs> Do you want to be a millionaire? So freaking bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, emoji of choice. 
Howdy emoji. <laughs> Have you ever been kicked out of a bar? No, but someone almost ripped my real life 21 year old ID. Oh, nice. Oh. Uh, do you make your bed every day? No. <laughs> Mariah Carey or Madonna? Mariah. Boxing or wrestling? Boxing. I was a boxer. Really? Yeah. Of course you were. What's what your Potter house? Uh, uh, undecided. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, Pokemon or Digimon? Pokemon. <laughs> Worst job you've had? I've been really fortunate with my jobs. Nice. Nice. Uh, do you match your socks? No. <laughs> Did you suck your thumb as a child? Uh, not that I can remember. Describe your life. Bugs life or Toy Story? Toy Story. Favorite Matthew? Shoe Rider. Damn right. <laughs> uh, fork, spoon, or knife? Uh, all three combined. Oh. oh That's our time! Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, how do you feel? Uh, I feel good. You're a changed person. I'm a changed person. I learned a lot about myself. Thank you for that. <laughs> well, well, we do have one final question for you. Will, are, are your, your parents, parents proud, proud of, of you? you? I sure hope so. Yay! <laughs> we'll, we'll take it. We'll take That's it. That's a good answer. Well, well thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Will, for joining us. <laughs> And we're back. Boy, that was great. That was great. <laughs> well, of course, none of this would be possible without the camera operator Gosh. for season two, Griffin McCorkle. Griffin McCorkle. Griffin, thanks to you, we look even better than we ever had before. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And that is it, folks. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, at... Parents Proud Podcast. Heck yeah. And you can also email us at... Parents Proud Podcast. You can say that with confidence. Mm, Parents Proud Podcast. At gmail.com. At AOL. Oh, my God. <sighs> Man, I forgot. It's been such a long time. Mm -hmm. since Do you want to finish it. the episode? No, not really. I'm oh, sorry. I guess I, I will. Well, thank you again, listeners, uh, for listening. You know what? I've got... Uh, things to do, so... Uh, We're still recording. I'm just going to walk out you, this way. Are you serious? Bye. Thanks for having me. Are you... What? Huh? Who? What? Where? Why? Then? Well, folks, in the world of theater, you got to yes and these things, so Connor left the room. Yes. And we are going to see you next time. I'm Matthew Schufreiter, and uh, I'm Connor Brown. We'll see you. We'll see you soon. La, 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 la.